Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the One Million by One Million podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Kanwaljit Singh from Fireside Ventures. Fireside Ventures focuses on the Indian ecosystem. Welcome, Kanwaljit. It's great to have you. Thank you, Shamana. So let's start by introducing our audience to you as well as to your fund. Tell us about your investing focus. How big is the fund? What kind of investments do you like to make? Sure. Thank you so much. So we are an early stage fund based in India, and we are an exclusively focused fund on the consumer brand space. So what I mean by that is that we basically invest in companies uh, in spaces like CPG, food and beverages, personal care, essentially consumer products and consumer brands which are targeting the new millennial in the Indian uh, context. Uh, This is an early stage fund. We have raised about $50 million uh, from uh, mostly Indian investors uh, with a very interesting profile of investors. We have family offices in India which are representing consumer companies uh, that they have built. We have large consumer corporations who have invested in the fund. So it looks like this whole space of consumer brands and early stage entrepreneurship in the space has become quite exciting and not only us but an entire ecosystem is developing to mm-hmm. help support and understand this space a little better fantastic it's it's one of the um, great opportunities for india i think uh, going forward is to build real homegrown major consumer brands absolutely so how big is your fund so we are a $50 million uh, fund. So uh, think of it and as what, uh, a pre-Series A to a Series A stage of investing. Okay. And what size checks do you like to write? Sure. So we basically, uh, the whole thesis that we follow is that consumer brands require multi-stage funding in the beginning because they have to start from proving their basic concept and you know, uh, create the uh, infrastructure for distribution and the brand building, and then, of course, uh, the growth drivers. So we can go as early as a quarter million dollars and all the way up to a couple of million dollars. So typically, we would uh, work within this range, but typically start with a smaller check and then write the next few checks to the fund so that the companies can continue to focus on building the brand. So that's that's great. Now let's double click down on uh, on two issues. One is, firstly, what um, what does a company have to have in terms of proof points for you to want to write a quarter million dollar check? Sure. So the first check we write typically is backing the entrepreneur, obviously. And uh, while, you know, it's a cliche term uh, that you're backing the uh, jockey before the horse, but in our case, uh, it becomes even more important because uh, we are almost working with the company to establish the product market fit. So as long as they have an interesting product in a space that we believe is an emerging space and targeting the right consumers, we basically bet the first check on the entrepreneur and then try and work with them uh, to develop the thesis around the product market fit. And the entire uh, focus of the fund is on original consumer products. 
private label original consumer products, not e-commerce channels? No, not at all. In fact, uh, we are very clear that we will invest behind, uh, as you called it, uh, original brands. Uh, essentially, mm -hmm. uh, the range of these brands is pretty wide. Uh, we already have investments across uh, food and beverages, personal care, education, home products, so lifestyle. But yes, it has to be a brand play and not a retail or a marketplace uh, play. Okay, great. And um, the other piece of this equation is, so let's say you can go from quarter million to two million per company funding. What does the rest of the ecosystem look like around you to build brand companies? Um, and what are they looking for in terms of proof points to want to come and play with you in deals like these? So that's a great question. Uh, actually, that was one of the motivators uh, for us when we started the fund, that there really does not exist a very robust ecosystem in India for supporting these kind of brand plays. So uh, what we have been able to do in a short span of last one year since we started is actually start the process of building this ecosystem. Interestingly, one emerging uh, investor group that we work very closely with is actually Indian family offices. And like I mentioned earlier, the uh, investors in the fund itself are a lot of these large Indian family offices. So they are interested in co-investing along with us. Mm -hmm. But like you uh, rightly uh, assumed, uh, they want to come in at a stage when the company has already established the proof of concept, they already have an existing business. So typically a series A, where the company may be looking for, let's say, 3 to $5 million, where we can bring in one portion of it and the rest of it we can source from the uh, family offices. So our whole fund model is uh, based on this uh, belief that we can uh, heavy lift the businesses from very early stage to the point where they have established at least the basic model in the market. And that's when uh, we can partner with some of our own investors and of course some of the other investors out in the market to uh, help the companies raise the growth capital. Uh, typically that tends to be three to $5 million. And so that almost precludes um, the existing venture capital ecosystem in India. Is that a correct observation? Uh, no, not precludes. Uh, I think it is also uh, a matter of uh, evolution of the venture system in India because most of the venture capital funds or the more institutional players are still very much focused on tech plays. Yeah. And uh, because of that, you know, one of the gaps we saw uh, in the market was that since nobody was really looking at the space of consumer brands, we felt that, uh, you know, like you said, opportunity is very exciting. So we, yeah. we felt that we could fill, fill that gap. So it doesn't preclude them. Obviously, we work with most of them. I have been in this industry for the last 20 years, so I know pretty much all the uh, VCs uh, very closely. But since they are not looking at this space, we had to find alternate pools of capital to be able mm -hmm. to you know, help these companies. Yeah, well, part of it is also what they're comfortable investing in uh, is not necessarily um, early stage consumer brands. Maybe late stage consumer brands is a whole other matter, but early stage consumer brands is not necessarily what they're comfortable with or what their experience speaks to. It's interesting because, you know, in the 
um, in the evolution of the technology venture capital industry, typically it's the VCs who are supposed to do early stage and the corporates uh, do later stage. Whereas what you're describing is you want to bring in the corporates in the early stages and bring in VCs maybe in the later stages. Uh, so interestingly, if I can just uh, you know uh, paraphrase that a little bit, uh, it's not so much the corporates as in the family offices who are uh, coming in at the early stage. Corporates are interested, but typically they would look at either acquisition kind of opportunities or more mature businesses with a path to acquisition. So, uh, so that is a small nuance I wanted to highlight. And second, yeah, good, that, good, uh, uh, good point. But I don't think family offices in in the typical technology venture capital ecosystem even thinks about coming in in the early stages of venture capital. So it, it is something what what you're doing is is basically tapping into people who have experience in consumer brands and have some comfort level. That's the real issue. Absolutely. So um, let's actually do a few case studies of your portfolio, the highlights of your portfolio, and, and we can do three or four of these. And what I would like you to do is take us through the evolution of these companies. When did they come to you? What did they have? You know, What brought uh, your confidence to those companies and what happened as they evolved? So let's understand the process of building these companies and, and you know, growing these companies, including all the financial um, engineering around it. Sure. So let me take uh, an example of a company called Mama Earth. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a company which basically targets the, uh, the infant child or the baby and the uh, mom as the key target market. Mm -hmm. And basically, the company is uh, about uh, two years old, and the founder is, uh, uh, it's actually a couple who started this company when they realized in their own experience when they had their first child that uh, there was not uh, a good choice of products that they could uh, use on their child across various personal care requirements, whether it was you know, obviously the usual shampoos and the uh, oils and so on, but also some areas like diaper rash creams or safe mosquito protection products and so on and so forth. So they decided to start this company as a felt need for not only themselves, but uh, you know, millions of parents who are looking for what they call safer products for their child. So that was the kind of intuition. And I met Varun and Ghazal, who are the two founders. Mm -hmm. pretty much uh, at the stage when they were conceptualizing this as an idea. Uh, interestingly, right from day one, their focus was that this is not a discounted or a cheap play. They wanted to uh, create products which were actually positioned at the, like I call the millennial uh, parents. Uh, they wanted to give them products which were more superior and they actually managed to get certification from a US-based organization called Made Safe, which actually has a six-month uh, project uh, uh, pr process by which they actually certify your products as Made Safe, which means toxin-free, paraben-free, sulfate-free, etc. 
So that was the start of the engagement. They had conceptualized the brand. They had created a range of products uh, through uh, working with some um, R&D experts, and they mm -hmm. were just about to launch it. So that was the time when I had invested first in this company. And over the last uh, two years, they have been able to uh, do a great job of establishing the brand among this community. Uh, now coming to what has been the journey, uh, some interesting learnings. One, uh, they started this brand as an internet first brand. So they mm -hmm. launched it on Amazon Launchpad. They uh, uh, launched the brand on some specialized Indian uh, baby uh, marketplaces like First Cry and so on. Mm -hmm. And the focus was in building a community of moms who mm -hmm. would endorse and uh, you know, uh, recommend this product because they were users and they liked the product. So the interesting learning for us in this specific case was that if you can target some uh, very uh, core communities of consumers and they become almost like your surrogate spokespeople, the virality of that becomes a very interesting way to build the brand franchise. Mm -hmm. so the company has been you know, working with some of the largest uh, mom and baby uh, uh, portals and sites uh, in India like Baby Chakra and the Mom Junction, the Mom Company and so on. And that gives them uh, that credibility of sales. Now, once they have established this uh, you know, basic uh, brand in the internet space, and now they are starting to take it to offline uh, markets of uh, the larger cities, etc. So I think that is a very typical uh, roadmap that we are seeing companies follow with some mm -hmm. you know, minor changes in terms of strategy, but build the brand internet through first. online engagement. Yeah, so distribution on internet is one part of it, but even more importantly, using internet as a means to establish the brand credentials and the yes. basic credibility around the brand. Yeah, and what um, what are the metrics of that? So, what do you look for in terms of an internet first uh, brand situation? In terms of how many customers? What kind of um, what would what would be called success in building an internet-first brand before you decide that, okay, now let's go offline and look for other channels? I think the, the basic metric is always going to be how the consumer is accepting the brand and uh, demonstrating their uh, affinity to buy on a regular basis because most of these businesses are high-repeat businesses. And obviously, the metrics of repeat customer purchase, the metrics of uh, the cost of customer acquisition, and obviously, if you're a regular customer, then that cost keeps coming down. Yeah, so I don't think there is. Value. While you know, we yeah, so we do we do look at the uh, the obvious metrics on internet brands, or like you said, you know, the the CAC and the long term value and the you know revenue to advertising ratios, etc. But the most important metrics for us is the uh, adoption of the brand as a regular brand for repeat purchase. And we use various methods to track that. And once we get that confidence that the consumer is now starting to uh, accept this as a regular purchase brand in their uh, basket of purchase, 
then it gives us the confidence to start looking at a more wider distribution play. And how many do you think, um, in, in this case study, how many customers were they able to reach in an internet-only mode? So a million, five million, what are we talking? <laughs> no, no, I think it's in more than more than thousand. But, thousand? Uh, the, yeah, I mean, see, the important thing is that, like I said before, uh, you can build very interesting businesses, especially in the Indian context, if you can reach a core community of consumers. Uh, I mean, because we believe that this whole uh, lifetime value of the consumer through buying on a repeat basis is far more important than just reaching a certain set of consumers. So 100,000 consumers who are buying our products on a regular basis is uh, potential to be uh, a 100 plus crore brand. And, you know, in India, a 100 crore brand or, you know, let's say about 15 to 20 million dollars of revenue is seen as actually a very interesting uh, milestone since there are mm -hmm. not too many brands in India that have got built to that size uh, even today. And how much capital do you need in this model that you're describing? What is your assessment of how much capital is needed to get to that 15 to 20 million uh, revenue size with 100,000 customers, let's say? So I think the the broad number would be around five million, and okay. again this is a you know very very wide hypothesis. But since we have been working with a lot of brands, uh, this is roughly the number that I have seen for the last few years. Mm -hmm. So I think you can. Uh, so that is really a Series A uh, kind of a, a stage of investing. So I think if we can yeah. raise about five million dollars for the company, uh, we can see the 15, 20 million dollar uh, visibility of revenue through that uh, fund. Uh, and is that then getting to break business, even? So, uh, yes, uh, see the good, good uh, part about a lot of these brands is that they are very high margin businesses. So mm -hmm. now if you take the case of Mama Earth, you know, this is a 65-70% gross margin business because mm -hmm. personal care as a category typically operates at that level of margins. So the company can break even even at a $10 million run rate. So the mm -hmm. important point is, you know, do you want to invest for further growth which, by right. which uh, you have to invest in people, you have to invest in brand, marketing. So it's not burn uh, management Intensive. that you're raising further money for. It's actually for growth. So that is a very interesting distinction in our uh, space versus, say, a typical tech company where you need to fund for burn for the first at least three to five years till you get the minimum size and uh, scale. Well, what I like also about the, the, the way you are thinking about these businesses is it has healthy unit economics built into the model, and that's sustainable. So, I mean, in, in the Indian context, I suppose, with a 15 to 20 million revenue company, you probably can even take it public, isn't it? That may be a little too early. I would say in India, we have seen companies gone public between 50 to $100 million. So that's more uh, like I would say the right uh, metrics because otherwise, you know, these companies, even if they go public, there is high demand for consumer companies in the public markets. But then yeah. the float is so little that, you know, exitability becomes an issue. So what so if you have to 
get up to 50 million, let's say 5 million to get to about 15 to 20 million in revenue, how much more money do you expect these companies will need to get to 50 million in revenue? So, you know, funnily, that is not a linear equation. So I would say that, I mean, again, my bet is 15 to $20 million should take you to that number of 50 to $75 million of revenue. And then actually you can self-sustain and keep growing on that base. You don't necessarily have to raise too much more capital. That's right. But that's what I was trying to get at. Get at and, and I think my next question to complete this um, line of questioning is to understand uh, what, to what degree of certainty do you foresee the family offices that are working with you to be able to cover that capital need of going from 5 million in capital to 15, 20 million in capital to finish that, you know, sustainability process? So, you know, the interesting thing is that the uh, private equity uh, investors in India is a very large group and they are very, very bullish on the consumer brand space. Mm-hmm. So interestingly, it's a very interesting funnel uh, for consumer investing in India. The mouth of the funnel, if you may, is really the angels and the individual investors, which is pretty wide, actually. So we see a lot of companies which can raise the initial, you know, $100,000, $150,000, because people generally understand, you know, it's a touch and feel. It's, it's something that individual investors can figure out. Then mm-hmm. the funnel narrows because there are not enough VCs or early stage investors. And then it again widens out because at the 10 million plus mark, there is mm-hmm. a lot of private equity investors who will be interested to uh, invest in companies. Well, by that time, you know, like I said, you have achieved 15, 20 million dollars of revenue. You have a clear unit economic established. You have done some basic, you know, groundwork on distribution networks. You have a team in place. The brand is in some sense established in whatever you know capacity, either it's a geographic spread or it's an online first brand, but you have mm-hmm. enough confidence that the brand is for real and now the private equity guys want to come in and invest further. So funnily, okay. it's not even the need for only H&I money there. It is actually private equity players who are very comfortable writing 10 okay. million plus. So beyond 10 million, the private equity money gets unlocked. That's good. Absolutely. Now, um, what are, besides Mama Earth, what other categories do you have businesses like this being built? Uh, sure. So, you know, we have already done about 12 investments. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I just cut it by broad sectors, uh, four of them are in the food and beverage space, uh, two of them in the personal care two in lifestyle, uh, one in home interior and home decor, one in education. So it's a fairly you know, wide uh, mix of uh, sectors, but everything being original brands catering to Indian market. And through internet first. So uh, now, can, can you answer one other question that strikes me as a relevant question in this context? Um, why do you have to go offline? If you're talking about 100,000 online consumers creating a already a pretty robust business online, 100,000 is a very small number, you know, with respect to the population that is online and that is very active online, you could easily get to, you know, 2 million, 5 million 
consumers online? Why do you even know, need to go offline? Well, I think two reasons. One is that the uh, there is a certain natural, uh, I would say, saturation of the business if you are looking only online. And the cost of uh, every incremental consumer keeps becoming higher and higher because you are spending, you know, larger amount of dollars in acquiring the next set of consumers. Well, it's the classic case of the early adopter and then, you know, you have to work harder to get the next set of consumers. And second is that interesting learning for us, which is, I think, a very interesting insight, is that we have now seen several of our companies having done this internet-first approach, building the brand through the internet. Mm -hmm. They start getting demand from the offline channels because there is a certain amount of rub-off effect which the offline channel also starts seeing. So I think it's in the long term, if you want to build a sustainable brand which can really you know, stand on its own feet, you do need to have a hybrid or an omni-channel strategy. It's mm -hmm. really a matter of what is the timing of that uh, entry into the offline channel and what strategy you need to adopt. So several of our companies have seen actually demand coming from the offline channels, and that is still in India or even worldwide, I would uh, hazard, uh, over 90% of the total market. So therefore, you know, uh, we can't ignore that large uh, uh, consuming class of, uh, of consumers uh, by completely staying online. I think mm -hmm. online is a good way to get started, but certainly uh, the efficient and more robust and sustainable model for building brands will be omni-channel in my view. Mm -hmm. Now, um, of your 12 companies, what is the geographical distribution? Sure. Uh, so uh, there is a large concentration between Bangalore and Delhi. So okay. interestingly, we haven't seen that many uh, new startups in uh, Mumbai, uh, but Delhi has been a, a fairly active uh, thing. So although we are a single location based in Bangalore, so in some sense one would have imagined that Bangalore would be a large uh, portfolio mm -hmm. for us, but Delhi is the other one which is almost as large as uh, and why do you think that is the case? I would have almost guessed Mumbai would be the uh, concentration, but it doesn't seem like it. So, you know, one of the things that we had noticed even in our uh, experience when I was earlier with Helion and other uh, funds is Mumbai, the cost of doing business is significantly yeah. higher than uh, yeah. either Delhi or Bangalore. Mm -hmm. So, unfortunately, you know, that becomes a constraint because, you see, of course, technology, Bangalore, because of availability of talent, tends to be the largest uh, concentration. But Delhi, again, it's a large market. People, you know, see that as a large opportunity. And uh, if you are working in the NCR region of Delhi, which is, you know, including areas like Gurgaon and uh, Noida, etc. Then you can, you know, operate at a fairly low cost kind of budget. Mm -hmm. So that combination works in favor of Delhi. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a few questions that are more uh, Indian market, more general questions, not specific to your fund. What is your analysis of the Indian e-commerce market? Indian e-commerce market? Yes. Okay. 
so see uh, again the uh, absolute positive aspect of that is that there is a very large consuming market and e-commerce is uh, satisfying several of those uh, requirements which indian consumers are not able to uh, consume more branded products uh, in terms of access in terms of the reach in terms of sheer logistics complexity so for a typical large consumer brand including the big players like uh, unilever and procter and nestle to be able to reach the smallest remote corners of the country is both extremely expensive and also the uh, inventory first model where you have to place the product in the small small towns and villages makes it very inefficient because you know you have to almost predict what will sell where and you know how does the inventory movement happen so therefore e-commerce in india i would say is actually addressing an even larger need than some of the developed markets which is just sheer access because of the complexity of the geography of what india is mm-hmm. i think the only uh, challenge that we have seen and we continue to see is that because infrastructurally india is still evolving as an economy the cost of doing business especially in the e-commerce context is uh, is very high because your distribution costs logistics costs you know the payment systems all of these are still in a very early evolutionary uh, stage so therefore that's why you see the kind of investments that are required and the fact that only a few you know large players are able to sustain that kind of uh, financial needs to build the ecosystem but there is no doubt i think in my mind or anyone's mind that e-commerce is going to be a very important player in the overall evolution of consumption or brand consumption in india and this doesn't really impact you and your style of companies because you are operating with a small segment small affluent segment of the urban consumer more or less so so you don't really have to worry too much about the logistical complexity absolutely so our focus as far as consumers is like you said more metro more urban but we obviously work with all the e-commerce players very closely so right. we do get access to some of the smaller uh, markets as well through them but it's not it's not an essential piece of your strategy so you know and and the logistics are in any case being handled by the by the e-commerce players so you don't really have to worry about logistics interesting okay um i think i have more or less your uh, perspective is there anything i should have asked you that i missed <laughs> no not something you missed but i just want to point out something which we are very excited about uh, as do. a as a data is that uh, over 50% of our uh, portfolio companies uh, actually have uh, women co-founders very and good and highlight yeah so i'm highlighting that because you know that is one of the areas that we believe very strongly that especially in the consumer space you know my you know personal hypothesis is that almost 80 to 90% of all home household consumption across the family is influenced yep. by a, a, woman a woman in the house yeah. mm-hmm. 
so it is so natural that you know uh, women uh, co-founders become a very important and integral part of the ecosystem that we are part of and we are very pleased to say that we actually see that manifesting itself even in the early days of our part very good excellent well thank you kanwal that was a excellent conversation and and it's very encouraging to see uh, that you're filling a real gap in the ecosystem and and it's a uh, very promising i think i i really am a big believer in uh, in in this opportunity for india i don't know if you read my vision india 2020 book i wrote it back in 2009 and it got published in 2010 and i had whole sections on consumer brand opportunities in that book but very little has actually happened since in in this period and part of the problem is that the financing ecosystem has not really been there to build consumer brands to that scale so let's hope that you know we can trigger uh, more uh, interest in this space uh, thank you so much it's been a pleasure very good consumers will enjoy uh, new brands and entrepreneurs our audience will very much enjoy building them so thank you audience for listening and uh, as you know on the website 1mby1m.com you can go and register for a free public round table we'll be happy to work with your business and give you whatever guidance you are looking for so go register go show up at one of the round tables and we'll look forward to working with you and uh, we'll be back with another edition of the 1mby1m podcast